0: Welcome to the Urban Lifestyle Report, and I'm your host, Carolyn Morris-Walker. to reflect Blacknificence and Black excellence in our community. I am thrilled to have with me Amanda Hamer. She's the business owner of Edible Bliss 11, and she's my guest today. And without a doubt, she is Blacknificent and she is Black excellence. She attributes her culinary skills to her late mother and being influenced by growing up in a multicultural city. Urban Lifestyle Report is a space and place to showcase the many talents of Black and African people who are often invisible, not acknowledged, not celebrated in popular media for their awesome talents, accomplishments, and achievements that contribute to the community and the world at large. So I'm delighted and elated when I meet people in my community who are doing outstanding and amazing work in a plethora of areas. They are educators, creators, influencers, entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and they are igniting, building, and transforming our community in a variety of ways. They are engaging in these activities full-time, part-time, and even as a side hustle, making their passions and visions come to life. And I believe the community needs to hear about you. Amanda Hamer is a graduate from George Brown College from the Culinary Arts Program, and her dishes can be described as a fusion of West Indian, Asian, and Canadian flavors, and she has 20 plus years in this industry. So Amanda, thank you so much for being here with me today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Give us some background information about yourself and how you made this journey in becoming a caterer, baker, and chef. Tell us about that journey. Well, I've always had
1: a love for food and especially to be creative and merge the two together like People eat with their eyes first. So if I can create dishes that are appetizing looking and have color and textures and stuff like that, and I can merge the two, it, it just thrilled me to be able to do, to do that. So I grew up in Region Park and I attended a church program when I was younger and they allowed us to bake cookies and experiment with pies and stuff like that on different days. And I always excelled at those things and I always uh, took a liking to those things. And later on, I worked at different restaurants. And then I decided to go to college to gain more experience with classical cooking, to learn my mother's sauces, to learn how to make from scratch, and to learn and excel at my knife skills. Um, and then from there, I, I worked at a place called Pusateri's. And Pusateri's was a, an eye-opener for me. It It allowed me to learn about different meats, and cheeses around the world and how other cultures fuse things together. Started up, um, it was a a sandwich case there and the amount of different meats that we would merge together or different cheeses and different flavors put together like a sweet potato turkey sandwich on a croissant made with a cranberry mayo and I learned to infuse different, I learned about how to make aiolis and Just the the numbers were and the the numbers of different combinations of foods were endless that you could put together and made it taste really gourmet. So I've taken all of those things that I've learned and I transitioned it into what is now Edible Bliss. So Edible Bliss came about about five, six years ago and I it was a side hustle for, for many, many years and I was kind of scared to take that leap of faith and Jump into the world of being an entrepreneur because I'm like it's it's not I'm not guaranteed to have a two week paycheck. I still got my kids that I'm taking care of. Um, you know, fast forward a couple years, fast forward to now or like a year and a half later, I quit my job. I said I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but I'm going to do this because I have a following. People love my food. People are always, you know, gravitating towards me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work, and I've made it work for the past year and a half. My kids are adults and, you know, even before that, I've taught them the fundamentals of how to cook for themselves and to take care of themselves. So now it just feels a lot easier to take that leap of faith, to be honest. So, yeah.
0: That's pretty awesome. And I really admire people who walk by faith because sometimes we get caught up in that fear and that's what holds you back. And now, you know, keeps you from learning about the many, many opportunities that are awaiting you if you just step out and just do the thing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what comes Mm -hmm. back to you. And I'm so glad you've shared that. Now, I was reading your bio, and I love that it says through growth, determination, and many referrals, you have made a name for yourself, leaving a blissful experience with every client, as well as lasting memory. Talk about the importance of that. I think the importance with food and the connection with humans is very, um, it's something you always remember.
1: When you're young and you have that that taste of a special dish that your parents made or your nana made, and when you grow up, you always remember that. And it, it's, it brings a sense of comfort, a sense of joy. And it's something that you can relate to. And it's it's I think it's important to always leave a lasting impression on any dish that you make and anybody that you cook for. I had a lady who um, I was at a club one time and she she bucked me up into in, in the washroom. She's was like, hey, I remember you. You're that chef that cooked that that made that um, cornbread with the honey, with the, the honey and the, the sea salt. And you just I just remember you. And I was, that was like a year or, year or two before. And I was like, wow, she remembered me from that one dish that I made her. So it's stuff like that, that really, it makes me want to do this even more. Because when I see people smile and they remember my food, that means I did something right.
0: So I'm going to ask the question because the food is one Mm -hmm. element. And the whole fact that this woman, a year and a half later, cornered you in a woman's bathroom. (laughs) That's good. That's great. Uh But I also wanted to tie in, you must have done some customer service with that that Mm -hmm. allowed her to also think of you for future business, because that's another element as well. Can you share your thoughts on on that? I think when you, uh, when someone asks you for a product
1: and you can accommodate the little details for them, that makes it more personal. They'll come back to you, you know, whether it's like you go out of your way to add something that's personal and you add it onto the food, uh, you're just not serving this like a plain cake or whatever. You can go over and above to make that a more personal dish, or you know, you're not just serving just a plain vanilla cake or vanilla or plain vanilla. Sorry, plain chocolate. You're adding. You're going out of your way because they're diabetic. They're they have they can't uh, have a lot of salt or whatever, and you go out of your way to make that dish tasty and memorable with the with their requirement. That's a service, and the, people love that, and they'll come back because you did that for them.
0: And and I feel that talks to it being personalized as well. Yes, absolutely. Right? And that makes me feel important as your customer that you have taken in everything that I've told you and you've personalized it for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Another piece I read about, you speak of enhancing the soul with visual expressive desserts and unique dishes. How does your creativity and innovation play into this as a chef?
1: Because... I think when you when you have my desserts, you're not just getting like a regular meringue pie. You're getting a meringue pie, or it could probably be infused with passion fruit, or you're getting a tart that's infused with organic coconut shavings instead of instead of shredded coconut, or you're getting desserts that are not um, that you don't see every day at like on the shelf, like my mandies I they're actually traditionally called Hello Dolly's, but I named them after myself. <laughs> so it's just, it's <laughs> right. why not, right? <laughs> it's, so it's a layer of graham crumbs, butter, and then it has condensed milk, chocolate, and coconut, and it's a bar. And when people taste these things, like they, they, you probably don't, it's not a regular thing. When people taste it, they're like, what is that? Or like my Jamaican rum cake cheesecake. They're like, what? W- Sorry, what did you just say? I said it's a Jamaican, a black cake. Cheesecake infused together, and people are just wowed. So, I like to do stuff that are not traditional
0: and Mm -hmm. very again tied to your name, edible bliss. When I hear that, I'm a foodie, so (laughs) me love to eat. Yes, and then for me, that blissfulness when something Mm. hits your palate and you have that wow experience right? It, it, it's yeah. a very vicious, visceral um, mm-hmm. experience. You feel it. Like when you're eating good food, you get a <laughs> feeling that goes with that, right? So yes. I, you're, you're, the name of your company, Edible Bliss, ties yes. that in extremely yeah. well.
1: I've had people who've tasted some desserts and they've danced. they danced for like a minute in front of me and then they're like, okay, I want that. No questions asked, just I want that. They've danced. And that makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do mess. Like, if I put something in my mouth and I really like it, <laughs> I am literally going, mm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> like, I am letting you know yeah, as loudly as possible that this is it. This is doing yes. it for me. Yes. I'm very curious about finding out more about you being featured on the Food Network on the Donut Show, where you placed second, I read. Yes, yes. All right, now. (laughs) It was an amazing experience. It was, I was
1: a nervous wreck uh, because I've never been on TV like that before. Uh, I did not, prior to being on the show, I did not know how to make donuts. So I had like three weeks to learn how to make donuts. And on the show, they they had us make cake-like donuts and a fried donut. And my partner was the manager of where I was working and he knew nothing about cooking. But why it made good TV is because he was very flamboyant and it just made good TV, you know, the the sassy black girl and the gay gay boy, right? So it was quite an experience because, like, you know, like I said, he has no experience in cooking or baking. And he left it was one part of the uh, show where he had left my donuts in the proofer and the timer's going down. And I was like, I can't swear here, but I was letting off the F-bombs and like, oh, my God, are you, you're going to make us lose. And oh, my God, I can't. You had one job and all you had to do was take donuts out of the proofer. And oh, my God. So we managed to take it out of the proofer, fr- fry it and then um, and then glaze it. But we we missed an element. We missed one element. We stuck to the theme, but because we missed one element, is why I came in second place.
0: Wow! Yeah.
1: So we were close to winning ten grand.
0: Yeah. That's pretty impressive, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and how did you get on the show? What was the process? How did that happen? Um. Actually, through
1: uh, I was a head chef. I was a head pastry chef at the Bark Smokehouse on Ronsonville. And they just came up to me and asked me like, hey, do you want to be on TV? And I was like, uh, what do I have to do? <laughs> and I was so nervous. And also because I've people don't know this about me, but I have a gluten intolerance. And I knew on the show that you probably have to eat, eat the donut and pretend to taste it. And I was like, I can't do this. I, you know, And I can't work with flour and I can't do all these certain things. But I did it anyways. I was scared and I did it anyway.
0: Wow, I
1: yeah. love that.
0: So, mm-hmm. gluten intolerance—what does that mean for those so of us any, who may not understand what that means? So,
1: for me, I think everybody has different levels of how they react to gluten. But there's certain uh, foods that, when I eat, especially gluten, that I end up getting a stomach ache, a headache, back pain, lethargic uh, headaches. I, I just can't function. It and it sometimes it'll hit me. Sometimes it—it's like a three-day delayed reaction. And what it's doing is tearing the lining of my stomach and stripping it. And so there's like gaps and holes in my intestines, which, excuse my language, said, you know, you have diarrhea or loose bowels and you can't hold food in. So since then, I've repaired my stomach, but there's still stuff that I should stay away from, like excess sugar and corn or whatever. So people don't know this side of me that I actually eat healthy, but I I do love to make decadent desserts. Sometimes I'll engage. Mostly I I have to watch what I eat because of that.
0: If a person has like a gluten intolerance or Mm -hmm. any other kind of food intolerance and they were to approach you to cater, chef them up. I can help them. You can do that. I, I can I can do it
1: all. If they don't want rice, I can introduce you to millet. I can introduce you to quinoa. I can introduce you to uh, tiff. I can. There's so many other different grains and flours that you can use in, and substitute stuff that people are like even swerve. This is, it's like a sugar alcohol that's not actual sugar, but it's it's good for diabetics and stuff like that. So yeah, there's so many. Di- I've, i I had to force myself to learn how to cook alternative foods. So I've implemented some of those things within
0: Edible Bliss, my menu. And what is the benefit of you now learning about these alternate food choices for people? What do, Why is that beneficial? It's beneficial because people want their cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up.
1: Straight up. They want to have, they want to be able to enjoy food and not have food taste like cardboard. Seriously.
0: <laughs> I love that. You- So this is going to lead me into, you received the People's Choice Award for 2019 by Blacks.com for Best Baker for 2019. Yes. Share that experience with us. What was that like?
1: Well, first of all, there are a lot of incredible bakers in Toronto. And I'm just so honored to be even nominated, yet alone win. And it's just honestly it's great to be recognized for all the hard work. People don't understand what it takes to make a cake. They're like, Yeah, you just whip some flour and throw some eggs in there. No, it's like when you see the final product and you understand how long it takes and working with fondant and it's not easy. It's an art. So, it's an art. It's an art. Absolutely. And and, and you gotta learn you know, baking is a science. It's an art and a science because you got to learn about temperatures. If you're, if you're, ha- if you wherever you're cooking or you're, whatever you're doing is too hot, your food will melt. If your products will melt, if you're not right in temperature, it, your, your products will turn out better using different sugars
0: and butter, like different products. you got to learn that stuff. And that comes with time and experience, right? Exactly. Earlier, we had spoken about that people eat with their eyes first. Mm-hmm right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you see it. And really, that is the first sensation, then it going into your mouth next yeah. to then connect those two components. Absolutely. Why is it the visual part of presentation of food? Tell us about the importance of that. Why? What happens with that? What is the psychology behind that?
1: Um, I guess, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist, but like, I guess, you're just more drawn to food that has colors and textures.
0: And because I looked at your website and mm-hmm. uh, one of your pictures is this beautiful display catered event with all. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that hit me was the colorfulness of yes. the food that was being displayed, right? I, I was drawn to that immediately. And then that made me think, ooh, I'd like
1: to mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. because when you it's also about plating and and putting certain things together you can't just you know when you go to a buffet and you slap everything on the plate it doesn't look that appetizing but when you strategically put things in place it's much more inviting like my boyfriend always complains just throw it on the plate blah blah, blah but I can't help it I have to make it look pretty I'm sorry it's just in my blood <laughs>
0: that's fabulous though because yeah, yeah the I, I don't think that people think about plating food when no. you are everyday right they mm-hmm. they don't think they just slap it on the plate but thank you for always mm-hmm. having that in mind yeah now i've had the pleasure of tasting your culinary delights at a few how she hustle events yes. uh, by the fabulous emily mills and mm you I would say the caterer mm-hmm. at most of her events is that correct am I no I
1: just I just catered one of her events or sorry two of her events
0: and I and I I, I believe that you and Emily are connected from before. high school
1: yeah grade nine grade nine. Oh
0: wow
1: <laughs> yeah so 25 plus years friendship still going strong yeah
0: that's she's, very awesome. Yeah. That's a that's a you know, good thing.
1: She makes it easy. She's a phenomenal woman. You know, she's I, I, she's a role model, first of all. And I have always admired her. Even when we we're in high school, she's still the same loving, caring, and determining uh, woman that she is now.
0: Mm-hmm. And I would think having a, a good friend who's also an entrepreneur, yes. and you being an entrepreneur, and um, yes. that you are great support for each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we did
1: it around the same time. Yeah, because she was working at CBC, and and then I was doing my thing, and we'd always talk back and forth. Okay, what are our future plans? And yeah, we're still doing it, still connecting every day, and checking up on each other making sure our families are good and our businesses are good. And
0: yeah. So during this time when we're under this, and I don't even want to talk about this COVID time, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. How is that impacting on your business? Oh, mm. it,
1: it was very stressful in the beginning. Cause I had a, the month of March and April was lined up with gigs. The amount of money that I was going to make um, was good. And then, you know, they announced that everything has to be locked down and social distancing and I people had paid deposits and I had to give that back and it was it was stressful. I think the number one thing I always worry is about is is, is money, like where it's gonna come from. But at the same time I always think I'm in a good position because people always gotta eat. Right. <laughs> and why not eat good food, right? So everybody's got to eat. So I'm never gonna really go out of I'm never gonna go out of business, right? I may struggle here and there for but honestly it's it's honestly it's been great. Like people have connected with me, connected throughout the, the quarantine and asked for cakes. They're like, I have no one to share this with, but I'm gonna eat it by myself. <laughs> so right. yeah, it's it's actually been okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us some of the highlights of your catering career. I read that you prepared dessert for the Prime Minister of Canada. I did. Uh, when was this? Uh, what prime minister was that? And <laughs> how did this happen? Share that with us. Well, it was
1: Justin Trudeau and uh, he was doing a talk table with amongst uh, young black women. Again, my friend Emily is the one who hooked me up with it. And she said, you got to keep this on the DL for a bit. And then when she told me who it was, but she already, know, she already know, knows that I would, I'm going to bring whatever I make, it's going to come correct. So I did up this box of delectable treats and a beautiful uh, fruit tray and stuff like that, and brought it up to him, and um, they enjoyed it. I was so thrilled that someone of his caliber was tasting my food. Were you so, nervous? I was nervous, but at the same time excited.
0: Yeah, I would think that's very exciting. Yeah,
1: uh, it just shows it's, it shows that I'm leveling up. You know what I mean? It's these it's small steps, but it's still I'm leveling up.
0: Why do you need to level up?
1: You always need to level up. You always need to do better than you. You know, it's it's a comp, It's never a competition with the next person. It's always a competition within yourself. Last year, or the when I that year that I did that, I never ever dreamed, ever 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 that I would be making a dessert or a fruit platter or whatever for any celebrity. I, I really I feel bad that I don't know the reggae artist, but I think her name is Shana or Sheena. I don't know. But when I put it out there, people are like, oh, I know her. She's that reggae, that new reggae artist on the scene. And then and I Googled her and I was like, oh, she's big time. So I did stuff for her, Justin Trudeau. And yeah, that's just, that's, that's to me, it's um, doing better than you did the year before or last month or whatever is
0: leveling up. And it's important because you learn from your mistakes and it's just growth. And that would lead me to what's the vision for edible bliss for the future like where do you see the future of edible bliss
1: so i'm gonna jump ahead because 2020 i had a vision and the vision was to open up a, a small 10 seater cafe and because of what's going on in the world today i don't know if that's going to happen this year so what i'm gonna do is jump ahead five years i see edible bliss a franchise this cute quaint delectable gourmet store and there's maybe three, four, five of them around the city or in different places around the world. And the recipes are authentic. And, you know, it's a thriving store that's, that was built from me, built from just my recipes.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yes. That's yeah. a great strategy. Talk about some of your challenges. I mean, we spoke about COVID, but mm-hmm. that's just, a, that's a global challenge. But prior, even as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. talk about some of the challenges you faced. I think some of the challenges
1: are trying to accommodate to everybody. And some people love and they want to support, but they may not have, may not have it in their budget to support. But I, I, and I it goes back to what I said, that people need to understand that. When I do a cake, I put a lot of effort into it. The other challenges probably would be, you know, finding a a good partner, someone that's loyal, someone that's reliable, someone that is on the same wavelength as you in terms of are they a hard worker? Are they – can I leave them and say – this dish needs 20 more minutes of cooking and they know how to take it out at the right time. And they know how to, they know how to slice it up. They know if I, if I were to leave them with a cake, but they know how to finish it and have the same vision that I do, you know, Mm -hmm. that's very important. And I I found a couple of people like that, but nothing has really fallen into place. So kind of still looking, you know, for a good solid partner, because I don't think this this edible bliss is my vision, but I don't know if I can do this alone because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, though. So.
0: Right, and and speaking to other entrepreneurs as well, one of the things I've I've heard is working by yourself. Yes. and that whole different dynamic of being in a work situation, office situation. Can you speak
1: to that? Well, people don't understand that when you're working by yourself and you 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 order something, it's me going to the store picking up those right vegetables, those whatever you want. I'm going to the store. I'm doing the prepping. I'm doing the cooking. I'm doing the delivering. It's all me. And sometimes I cater for people for about 150 150 plus. It's a lot of work, you know. So. Yeah, those, that's a, it's challenging, but I, at the same time, I do love
0: it. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for people who have restaurants, who are chefs, who are bakers, mm-hmm. because cooking, baking, it's yep. a lot, a yep. lot of work. <laughs> when I'm cooking my own food up in here, I yep. can only imagine when you multiply it by mm-hmm. 100, 200, 300, 400 yeah. people. Yes. And the other piece, the food after tea is good too. Yes, good. It has consistency. Yes, right. <laughs> yes, for sure. It has to taste good because mm-hmm. I used to do conferencing, and one of the things I heard, I've often heard, is that people will remember some things about the conference, but mm-hmm. they will. Always yeah. remember the food a year yeah. from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, they'll be it's able true. to tell you what that food was about. And I shared the story that I worked for the judiciary and used to do a lot of their conference and planning and uh, had a conference for them in Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. And that morning, now Sault Ste. Marie, there was one hotel Wow. That could accommodate this group of judiciary. And the hotel itself was a little dodgy. (laughs) But I had gone previously to do a site visit, and the food was impressive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So off we go the morning of the first morning of the conference, these three. J.P. backed me up to tell me how horrible the food is. And one of them goes as far to say uh, that he wouldn't even feed it to his dog. Wow. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) So I was like, okay, let me go talk to the staff. I go back to the staff. I quote it back verbatim. Yes. And I say to them, you need to pick up your game. Yep. Wow. So by the lunch service, the three JPs came back and said that was much better. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. So, and I know they're probably (laughs) still talking about that
1: now. Oh, my goodness. Years later. Yeah, it's important. It's important to always be consistent with your food. And the other thing I found is like, I always try to play music when I'm cooking, when you're in high spirits, and you put love into your food, and I always pray over my food, too. People can feel that people eat that and they feel that too.
0: Oh, you're so on point. Because when I cook my food, I will say I cooked this with love. I hope you can taste the love. Yeah. Because yep. I cooking it with this from this joyful place.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Do you share your cooking knowledge with your children? Do your children know how to cook?
1: They do, but they're lazy. <laughs> they prefer me to cook. They they would say, Mom, but you just you do it better, so just make it for me. And I was like, Sometimes I'm like, Okay, but four times, I'm just tired. But I've taught them the fundament like I've taught them the fundamental um, basics of how to cook and do sauces and stuff like that. And my son will more experiment with how to cook different dishes, but they're both pretty both pretty good at it.
0: Because I taught my son, I said, you only need to learn how to cook these things. You can cook chicken. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you can learn, I think chicken was the basic one. I said, if you can cook chicken, you're good. Yeah. yeah. And boil two potato." And make a rice <laughs> and make a pasta because yep. I also think it speaks to being self-sufficient. Oh, yes. It's, Absolutely. Right? Self-sufficiency. You, you you can't be sitting around waiting for somebody to cook you a dinner yes, because you don't time. know how to put pot to fire, mm-hmm. right? It's so true. And the other piece that comes to mind for me is that you know bad food when you taste it. Yeah.
1: Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, so true. Like, I, that's the thing. I, I've actually spoiled my kids. When they t- taste like other people's mac and cheese and they taste mine, they're just like, Mom, what is this? What am I eating? And they'll tell you. And they can break down. Like, they're so good at breaking down the palates of what they taste. Like, there's not enough of this cheese. Not, and they're like, Asiago. Like, they know their cheeses. They know the different it makes of things. And so. <laughs> so
0: they have a discerning yeah. palate.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. You spoke about your mother being uh, very influential in you being the chef that you are interested in cooking. Mm -hmm. Talk about a little bit about that relationship with us, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, well, my mother always I remember always saying, never open up a can of food and warm it up and say that's your meal. Always cook fresh, always cook you know your rice your chicken your your stew like always cook that from scratch because it tastes better she never ever ever bought a chef boy chef boyardee it was never in our house or Um, tv
0: dinner never i
1: never (laughs) had a tv dinner growing up (laughs) i only learned that when i was older what that really was our chef boyardee never had that um My mom just always, she was a really good cook and she would cook um, her rotis from scratch and her pepper pot. And that that love for food stemmed from her too and her showing me different um, foods from the West Indies. You know, I learned about Edo and stuff like that. And
0: yeah. I feel too coming from a Caribbean background my mom was very clear that we had to learn how to cook at a fairly mm-hmm. young age as yep. well. Yep. You know, and even though I was uh, born and raised in England, my mom would get that coconut and be great yes. to make the coconut cream. Yes. That, yes. was, you know, nobody's going to go buy no coconut cream from the store. <laughs> I know. You know. The joys I... of convenience in modern, modern living. <laughs> I remember so my true. mom would and my sister and I, we were in there cooking that rice and peas yep. with her and all of that. So, yep. but I yep. thank my mom for that. I, I That's something that I really appreciate my mom for. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Having the ability to be comfortable in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And people thinking of going into entrepreneurship, words of encouragement. What would you say to that?
1: Words of encouragement, Um, I would say, learn about what you want to do. Volunteer at different places so you get the experience. Also, just, you know, keep at it. Just every day, just keep learning about it. Taking steps towards uh, becoming an entrepreneur because the, the rewards are so much beneficial. Like for me, working for somebody else and getting $21 an hour is nothing compared to what I can make in two or three customers. That, that can pay my rent, my rent and my bills in one shot, you know. So stick with it because it is hard, but also source out other people that are doing that, what you're interested in. Get a mentor. Get someone that can mentor and teach you um, how to advance in what you want to do. And just the most important is just stick with it and don't give up.
0: So you say get a mentor. Why is a mentor mm-hmm. important?
1: Because with getting a mentor, you don't have to, Pay all this money to go to school. You can learn from them. You can ask detailed questions because in a in a school there's you know twenty odd students, but you get the one on one, that personal experience. That's there's nothing better than that.
0: And mm. I would think that it's a more, it also is a long lasting relationship Absolutely. as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a mentor?
1: I don't, but and I'm still looking to get one, but it's it's, it's timing. But it's so funny that you asked because the other day I just went into a store. His name is Randy's. Randy's, oh, what's it called? It's just Randy's on uh, Blor Young there. And I would love for him to become my mentor, but he was just giving me the ins and outs of how to start the cafe, how to start up a a restaurant or a food truck uh, business. And he was just giving giving it to me blunt. This is what you got to do. You got to get this much capital. You've got to build your fan base, build your following. Um, and just, he gave it to me straight. And it's stuff that I needed to hear because, you know, we're in this pandemic thing. And it's like, I don't know whether to go left, right, or center. But mm. he was saying, you know what, it, the economy is not good right now. So just just hold back on what you're doing. But still put yourself out there on YouTube, the YouTube videos. Let people get more familiar, get more of a following. and. I agree with him a hundred percent and still do what I'm doing. And then I, I can still, um, you know, I don't have an overhead, a big overhead right now. So still accumulate that money and bank on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would think too, um, you said the food truck, that food truck industry has exploded I know. into something. You know, there used to be a, a Jamaican man. I think he was Jama- Jamaican and he had the first food truck in my memory. Yes. I would say about 20, 25 years yes. ago. Consume. Consu? Um, he would, he would He would have um, <laughs> jerk chicken and rice yes. and peas. And when the dance done. Yes. His truck would be right. Yes. Center,
1: I right? remember it too. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and so, wasn't it the best feeling when you come out of the club and you're just like, and you get good, wholesome food instead of right? a hot dog. <laughs>
0: Listen, who doesn't want to eat some jerk chicken and rice Uh, and peas after working up a sweat or being out late at night? And I think about how visionary he was. Yes. There was no one doing that. Mm -hmm. And fast forward, food truck is the (laughs) thing.
1: It's so true. It's so true. Right? So he's the
0: pioneer of it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think about this. I look at you and, and, and what you say and the vision that you have uh, mm-hmm. for your business. Could there be like a cookbook out in, like an edible, bliss <laughs> cookbook? Oops,
1: yeah, sorry. you know, yeah. Yes, there is a cookbook in the works. Um, I've actually hired two of my friends who I actually admire who are actual entrepreneurs themselves. Uh, Just the other day, we were just talking about the cover design and getting all the details done. So I'm really, really excited to, yeah, I'm really excited for that to happen. Um, Did I just get a scoop? (laughs) You did. You did. You did. (laughs) I actually wanted to, you asked me if I had a mentor. Yes. um, It wasn't towards food, but it was towards how to get my, my mind right, how to get my business started, how to stop procrastinating, how to reach out to the right people. And his name is, I'm, I'm not sure if you know him, Noel Waldron? No, I
0: you know don't. Noel? Know okay,
1: well, he has a, a course, a 60-day course that he, it's like he puts you on a fast track to, Bring out what's in the best of you, bring out the best in you. And he teaches, he breaks down how to get on the same wavelength. If you're lacking money, how do I get on the same wavelength of, of attracting the right people to me, attracting money, attracting good in your life? So I did that course. So I guess he is my mentor, but it's not like directed to food, but it's directed to my life and how I see myself in the world. And, and then I relate that to food in my business. Right, which is
0: equally as important, I would think, because in my head, mindset is so important a positive mindset, a mindset of the universe being a place of abundance. So mm-hmm. what I'm bringing to the universe is unique to me. It doesn't matter that there are exactly. a gazillion other podcasters or bakers or caterers. It you got doesn't it, girl. matter because it you is got unique it. to you. And exactly. that's what makes it special. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so I mm-hmm. think that's really great. Amanda, I have so enjoyed speaking with you Likewise. Uh, on this podcast. It, we we had some technical challenges at the beginning, <laughs> but that's okay, though, because it's yes. all part of the learning. Yes. Oh, something just popped into my head, as I said, all part of the learning. And have you ever been to a place where, uh, in, been in a, a like a, a piece of a mindset or Al had an experience where you just said, I'm not too sure about this. And if yes, how did you deal with that so that you could keep moving forward? And if no, if that situation arose, how do you think you would deal with it?
1: Have I been in a situation where
0: it was was almost like a negative experience or you just woke up one day and you just thought, why am I doing this? I'm not sure why I'm doing this. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm unsure, you know, you're doing the right thing, but it's just a moment of being apprehensive or tentative about this decision.
1: Yes, I have. And I would say that it was one of the worst two years of my life that I, I was in a situation and I was like, why am I here? I, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to say who, what, where, when, and why. But I knew that I had to leave more, more so because I wanted to build a reputation, a good reputation for myself. And if I was tied to that, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been a, a good outcome. So I think when I left, that, that situation was a good time for me. But yes, I've been in a situation like that and you just have to you have to sit still and listen to your inner thoughts and listen to your gut when something's not right. When it keeps saying when you keep going in and to that situation and you're feeling that same feeling and it doesn't feel good, you have to just listen to yourself and make a decision.
0: Especially mm-hmm. because it's your spirit talking to yes, you. Yes,
1: it's your spirit talking. And so I would say for, another, for entrepreneurs too, get in tune with yourself. Listen to yourself. Because you, your inner self, your inner you is your guidance. And it will help you on your path of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Amanda, we're going to wrap up now. You certainly are a reflection of Blacknificence. Thank you. And black excellence in our community. I am so appreciative of you being a part of my legacy project. I'm your host, Carolyn Morris Walker. Looking forward to the next episode to bring you someone also awesome. Just awesome <laughs> because you know, we got plenty of awesomeness in this community. But today it was about Amanda Ham- Hamer. Hamer. Amanda <laughs> Hamer. I'm and- so honored. So honored. Thank you so and much. Edible bliss, and you are such a delight. And thank you so much. Enough Bless. respect. Bless. You thank you. You're welcome.